Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Happy Saturday out there, boxing fans. I'm recording on Saturday mostly because there was a lot that I had to cover today, and I wanted to get it all out on Saturday morning when it was fresh on mind. I'm going to revamp and refresh. There's a couple of things I want to stay up front, just so we're clear here. In boxing, I don't think a lot of people know this, but in boxing, to, the, the name of the game is hit and not get hit, okay? But also, you're there to win at the end of the day. Your motivations might be different. You might be motivated because this guy slapped your girl's ass, like with uh, Mosley and Mayorga, right? You might be here because you just want to eat your kids or whatever Tyson said. You might be here because you're hungry on the streets, your family's desperate, you, you're hungry, and you're trying to do something. Whatever your motivation is. The point is you want to win. You want to get that W. And I think what's been lost over time is the W is multiple ways to get there. You can get there boxing, moving. You can get there slugging. You can get there by being a one-punch knockout. You can get there multiple ways. At the end of the day, though, the game should be hit and not get hit. And I think what some have lost sight of is that when you have these as we call them, rock'em, sock'em, robot-type fights, you know, guys are just going out there slugging. Those fights, you don't remember them, half nothing. And I'm talking the slug ones. I'm not talking where it's a stylistic war. You know, I would consider Gaddy War Trilogy kind of a stylistic war type of a fight. I would consider Andre Berto and Victor Ortiz Trilogy a stylistic war. <laughs> Wilder Fury Trilogy, though, was more stylistic on the slugger side, more brawler side, you know, cavemen going at it. But it was still, there was a science to what they were both doing. Even Wilder, I know they don't want, like an NSB, they don't want to give them credit, but even Wilder, there was a science in what they were doing. And the science is what makes it compelling. As long as the science is there, that's what should compel fight fans to want to watch that. Well, then you contrast this with this crap of Jake Paul and Nate Diaz very most recently. And I don't know if you were watching that. I didn't. But come on, man, are we saying that's the kind of shit that you want to see? And I know that the young fans, they like a Jake Paul, and he had his rise knocking out lesser bums, and I understand that. But if you watch that Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, you should be ashamed of the sport for allowing that farce to have. Because look at that and compare that to Mayweather Pacquiao. Are you seriously, bro, telling me that Jake Paul and Nate Diaz was more entertaining than Mayweather Pacquiao from a boxing fan's lens if you say that, you're not a boxing fan. It's okay that you're not a boxing fan. I'm just calling it like it is that you can't be a boxing fan and have liked that crap. That's all I'm going to say there. Let's get through our weekend of boxing. All these are happening today. The big one, right on deck at the O2 Arena out in the UK. Anthony Joshua makes his return. He's fighting Robert Hellenius. You're like, huh? Well, Dillian White failed a drug test that's what it was on record. He failed a drug test. We don't know what drugs, but he failed a drug test. So Dillian White was supposed to rematch. This would have been a rematch for Joshua. That's not going to happen. So Robert Hellenius, who, yes, just fought, I believe, three months ago, and he got a, I think he got a stoppage win just three months ago. He's come back, and now he's stepped up as a late replace for Anthony Joshua. First of all, let's remember the last time Anthony Joshua took a late replace, that was Andy Ruiz, who smoked him in four rounds. I believe it was four rounds. So 
here we are again with another late replace for Anthony Joshua. Do I think that Hellenius is going to smoke Anthony Joshua? No. Do I think that Joshua is going to have a little bit of a struggle? Yes. I think people might be looking at Hellenius and what happened against Wilder, and they might be thinking that Hellenius is going to get absolutely dominated. He should be. However, seems like Joshua doesn't really do well with late replacements, according to what we can tell. And remember, Joshua, he's coming off a win, but that was a very boring outbox-type win when he switched to Derek James as the trainer. A very dull win, a very boring win, and people were very concerned that maybe he needs to hang him up. Hellenius is damn near 40 years old, so we're not saying that Hellenius is some world beater, but seems like Joshua struggles with late replacements, and Hellenius, from a size perspective, would be a good measure for how ready Joshua might be for somebody the size of Wilder if that fights to happen. The rumor is that Wilder and Joshua is on deck to happen sometime in January, provided Joshua remains on a win streak. So if that fight happens, of course, both those guys are coming off multiple L's. Wilder has two L's, both to Tyson Fury. Joshua has three L's, two of them to Uzik, one of them to Andy Ruiz, possibly one more. Hopefully he doesn't. If he's able to win this one, then the rumor running around is that It'll be Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder in January, a little bit too late. So that's on deck. Derek James seems optimistic that he can get Anthony Joshua to be a much solid, much more solid fighter. Of course, this is late in Joshua's career, and we don't know what's going to happen with this one. The story on this one was there was a little bit of drama in the face-off where Joshua started to bow up when Hellenius was getting, I don't know if it was something in his eyes or something, but Joshua wasn't having it. We got a problem. Something wrong here. We fought right now, we fought later. You know, so I, I don't know what was going on with Joshua. It seemed like he was really on edge. It seemed like he was really jittery. So he just was on edge. And I don't know what the hell was wrong with him because I've never seen him do that. And hopefully it doesn't distract him to where Hellenius catches him with something. Because remember, Hellenius can throw a bomb. It's not like Hellenius has no power. He's got power. So if you don't take him out, he could hurt you. And we've already seen that Anthony Joshua is prone to get hurt. And so if he was distracted by whatever the F was going on with him, Hopefully he's able to solve that and get back on deck because it's a very dangerous fight to take your eyes off the prize. I don't know 100%. I'm not saying something a definitive fact. I'm saying that that face-off concerned me at least because it seemed like there was something wrong to do. Undercard of this same event, we have Johnny Fisher fighting against Harry Armstrong. 10 rounds of heavyweight action. This is all to zone, by the way. I don't know either guy. Fisher's undefeated. Fisher has, he's been dominant, very much dominant in his undefeats. He only has nine fights total. Armstrong's reasonably newish. When I looked at both guys, man, Armstrong is just, he's not a bum, but he's like Sebastian Formella. You know, he's, he has like no knockouts, this guy. He's won five times. He has no knockouts. He lost the one time. He has one draw. I can't call him a bum because he's in there. He laced up gloves, but he has no knockouts, and it seems like he's just, I, when you look at the two of these, they're the polar opposites of each other. Like, geez, <laughs> Fisher's young. He's only 24. Armstrong's 30. You know, Fisher has a, a knockout. He goes for knockouts like crazy. Armstrong's confident going the distance. Like, it, you couldn't get two more opposing fighters than this one. Nobody thinks that Armstrong has a chance in this fight, and neither the hell do I. I don't even know if it's worth watching, frankly. Uh, whatever. War Chisora, he's making his return, and he's fighting against Gerald Washington. Of course, Gerald Washington's been sparked out quite a few times now, but so has Chisora. But Chisora, the reason he's called War, he's there to fight. Both guys are close to the same age. Chisora's 39, Washington's 41. Close to the same age. 
Washington has a height advantage. Washington has a reach advantage. Washington has every advantage except for guts, heart. Heart is where Washington lacks. If you looked at any fighter in the heavyweight division, Chisora has more heart than any of the rest of them dudes, period. Despite him having a lot of losses, and that's the reason he has such a strong fan base, because he always goes out there and he gives it his all. He'll leave it there in the ring every single time. As much criticism as he gets, the truth is Chisora is there to fight. All Washington can really do is stay away from this dude and box at range and hope he doesn't get caught with something and clipped and taken out. Because Chisora can take him out. Gerald Washington has been on a steep decline. I don't know that this fight's worth watching unless you are a Chisora fan. If you're a Chisora fan, obviously support Chisora. I'm saying that from a fight perspective, I don't know that it's worth watching that fight. Personal opinion. Flipping over then to ESPN in the U.S., Sky Sports in the U.K., 12 rounds of super, fe super featherweight action, rather, in the Desert Diamond Arena out there in Glendale, I think it's Arizona. we got Emmanuel Navarrete fighting against Oscar Valdez. I obviously know both guys. I've been a big fan of Navarrete, but he's been slipping recently. I don't know what it is, because at one point he was on a tear, and then he started slipping off. He's been, he's coming off good wins. I'm saying just overall, like, he's had layoffs, he's had outages, he's had injuries, he's had all sorts of weird stuff happen, and he's been a little bit declining. And then Oscar Valdez is rebuilding. He has the one loss that he took, unanimous loss. That was a, I was, when I saw him, I believe that was Shakur, when I saw him just get absolutely dominated in that one loss he had, it's like, dude, is this for you? And then he came back, he performed very well, and so maybe there's just levels to the game. With these two, I think it's much more evenly matched, I believe. Navarrete has the reach advantage. Navarrete has the height advantage. Navarrete has more momentum, but they're even in terms of rounds in the books. They're roughly even in terms of number of fights, roughly even in terms of knockouts and going after guys. I think this one was matched up really good. I think this is going to be a really good fight for as long as it lasts. And I don't know how long it's going to last. Vast majority of people believe that Valdez is going to take out Navarrete. I'm going to flip it. I don't think, I don't think Valdez... It's not that he's not good. He's a good fighter, but Navarrete is a good fighter too. And I don't think that Navarrete's getting getting the right fair amount of attention from fans that I think he should. Because if you believe that it's easy for Valdez, uh, man, I got a bridge to sell you because Navarrete's going to be there for as long as he needs to be there. I think he's going to be there all night long. I see it's a 50-50 fight. That's me. I, I don't even know how to pick it, but I see it's 50-50 in my personal opinion. Same event, different fight. 10 rounds at heavyweight action. We got Richard Torres Jr. fighting against Willie Jake Jr. I don't know either guy. Torres Jr.'s hair kind of makes me feel strange, but that's all right. I'm not going to judge. And Jake Jr. I definitely haven't heard of. Seems like I should have, but I haven't heard of the guy. Jake Jr.'s much older. Jake Jr. hasn't had much experience. I mean, he's had, he's been in the game a while, but I'm talking rounds in the books because Jake Jr. is the definition of a journeyman. By which I'm not denigrating him. It's what it is. But I'm saying he has more losses. He has more losses than I would expect for the number of fights total that he's had. So he's had, I want to say, like 17 fights, somewhere around there. And he's lost three of them. Two draws. And all three of his losses, he was stopped. So that's what I'm saying. Like, with that low number of fights, it's like, dude, what's going on here? <laughs> so I don't know. But Torres Jr., Obviously, he's got the knockout. He's 100% knockout ratio. Up-and-coming guy. He's 24 years old. I think he debuted really recently. I think he debuted like last year or something. 
really young guy. And, you know, again, it's obviously a showcase fight. This, this Jake Jr. is a showcase fight for him. I don't even know why this one's being promoted heavily because it's like, come on, man. This is not in your class. It's not in your class. Anyway, <laughs> when you see this guy, though, when you watch him fight, He's a southpaw, so that's good. So when you see him fight, it's not that he's not a bomb or nothing. No, he's a good, solid fighter. I just, it feels like I'm not advocating that you throw him into the wolves or anything. Like, geez, you know, it's heavyweight, but come on. You could, you could have done better than Jake Jr. There are heavyweights out there that would have been better than Jake Jr. Like, if it were me, I would have even considered putting Torres Jr. in there with someone, somebody like, Auto all in Volin. And I know you're thinking, like, oh, you're crazy. Come on. Volin has one thing to his name. I believe he beat Gerald Washington. I believe it was Washington he fought. And then, of course, getting close to but failing to beat Tyson Fury. That's his name, claim to fame. So Volin's on a rebuild too. And so Torres being an up and coming and Volin being on the rebuild, I think stylistically that'd be a good matchup for both guys because it would tell us. Really, where Taurus is from a skill, is his skill legit that we see, or is it smoke? And then with Valen, we got to know he's legit, not against a guy that's on a steep decline, but against a guy on the rise. Because Fury, he's already at the top of the game. We don't know if he's on a decline because he hasn't fought anybody else. You know, but with Taurus, he's on the rise. And so it'll give us a good test. I, I wish that it had been a better test for Taurus. It's not that I'm banging on the dude. He's he He fights good. I just... Let's test him against somebody other than this guy. This guy is not. He's, anyway. Whatever. So then the other events we have on Showtime is at the MGM at Oxen Hill. This is 12 rounds of bantamweight action. Emmanuel Rodriguez fighting Melvin Lopez. Do not know either guy. I did a little bit of background, not heavy, but a little bit of background. And this one's a, one of those pick and fights that's matched where both guys are on rebuild. And when you look at the records of the two, it's roughly equivalent in terms of the level of loss. The styles, I would say, is a really good style matchup. There's not really, you can't see an obvious advantage on either side. So it's not one that I could pick myself. I wouldn't. Vast majority of social media believes that Rodriguez is a superior fighter overall. Might get a knockout, but they see him as a superior fighter. Maybe. I don't want to say yay or nay. I do think that it's a good fight for, because Bantamweights usually show up and they're really good. So I think it's a good fight to watch. I'm not saying avoid it. This is one where I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's matched well. And I think you're going to see something out of it that's going to be more exciting, possibly even than the main events. The last one I see on deck at the O2 Arena again, this is back on the zone. This is 12 rounds of heavyweight action, so we're getting a lot of heavyweights. Philip Rovick fighting Dempsey McKeon. I know McKeon. I've seen a couple of his fights. I obviously know Rovick. I've seen a couple of his. I think Rovick's overrated, personally. That's not saying he's not a good fighter. I'm saying I think he's overrated, as in I think people are hyping him a little bit too much. The reason I'm calling that out here, when I see a guy like McKeon, McKeon is quality as, as from skill. He is quality. He's there, and he will test you. I like what I see of McKeon a lot, and most notably, McKeon is a southpaw. I don't recall if Rovic has a lot of exposure to Southpaws, but I think the Southpaw is going to play in the factor in this fight. I think that I believe Rovic may pull this out. I, I honestly think that, but I I would keep if I were you, I'd keep your eyes on McKeon and how he performs. 
Because even if he loses, I think he's going to show you something. That's my theory. I could get it wrong. McKeon has more pro rounds of experience because Rovic has been a knockout artist. So McKeon has more experience kind of going through a fight through distance, not in a bad way, in a very good way, because he's always looked dominant doing so. McKeon has power in his own right. The number of fights is eh, roughly equivalent. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be a better fight than most on the docket. Again, most feel like Rovic's going to win. I can see this outcome. All I'm saying, and just quote me on this, I think that in this case, McKeon is going to be, he's going to show you something. That's all I'm going to say on that one. And McKeon has said, you know, really, who is Rovic beaten? Zhang, you know, and Zhang, Zhila Zhang, and Zhang, it was a controversial win as any struggle, which is true. I don't know that it matters because Rovic has been good otherwise. And I think Rovic is a solid fighter. And I do think that he is has a strong opportunity to win this one. All I'm saying is, is that just keep your eye on McKeon, ladies and gentlemen, because I believe he'll show you something. And I think this might even be one of those fights that, that stands out of all the ones that we see on deck other than uh, Navarrete Valdez. I think it's going to be a good, really good one uh, for as long as it lasts. I think Rodriguez Lopez is going to be a good one. I think Torres Jake is going to be a stinker. I think Chisora Washington will be decent, but it's going to be sloppy, I believe, and ugly because Chisora tends to make it ugly. I don't think much of Joshua Hellenius as a fight. That's not digging on either guy, but I think that it's a fight I wish didn't need to happen, you know, because this is by now Joshua should already felt in Wilder. That's what I felt. So I'm giving kudos to Hellenius. He's getting a payday. He deserves it. He's a hard worker. He's busted his ass, and he's been in there some of the best. But... This really should be Wilder across from Joshua. And, you know, ding on Joshua for not taking that fight. That's all we got on Doc. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.